Welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am Charles McFall, the Rock Out of Podcasting. Is. So, hey, this is uh, my show. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. And if you don't know what this show is all about, uh, go ahead. I, I, I tell you what it's all about in every other episode. Today, I'm going to skip it. Today, you have to go listen to another episode if you don't know or just sit and listen to this. We have a question today. I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to tell you some stories, and you're going to learn some stuff along the way. So uh, why don't we just jump right into it? Mike? All right, Charles. What we're, uh, what we're dealing with today is a question that you've come back to more than once in the course of telling other stories in previous episodes, uh, especially about you know your relationship with uh, your wife, Erin. You've chuckled and, and said, Mike, uh, make a note about all the times that I fought with Aaron <laughs> and was wrong. So, Telly, it's time to talk about that. Let's 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 hear about those occasions. I don't know what you're talking about. That is never wrong. I am. <laughs> well, truth be told, if we we have to work through our our demons, our experiences, our what we think is reality, to clear our eyes to see. What really is to come? I, I love The Matrix. Okay, I really love the movie set, The Matrix, uh, one, two, and three, because I got what the directors were doing, and even before they came out and said it at the advent of making number three, they said it in an interview. But I got it. It's birth, life, and death is the three movies. Is that's that's the ultimate story they were telling, and they use a lot of kung fu and sci-fi and and other stuff on top of it to entertain and to deliver the style of story they wanted to give but ultimately that's what they're talking about and i can't help but remember when neo was in the in the matrix right and he first gets flushed out and how scary and weird it was and then this whole new world where he had to learn to walk he had to learn to to do everything and they had to clear him up and he couldn't see and and then they took him back into the trainer, and you think that's air you're breathing. And I mean, all these different things, right? You have to understand reality, but the line was in that film, some rules are meant to be bent, some rules are meant to be broken, and some rules are steadfast. And that that's all going to play into what I've learned with my wife. But I, I had not met my wife at the time, even, when I saw the movie. I saw I actually saw The Matrix on opening weekend. That was, that was an accident. I had traveled with this family that had two teenagers and two small kids and i had worked in the youth group with those teenagers for a while they apparently i i think they said i'd helped them out and change some of their lives and different things whatever i remember them i remember working with them uh i guess i was an influence anyway they asked they needed a third adult to help drive the the U-Haul trucks had two cars they were driving and the two little kids and a U-Haul truck. So I agreed. They paid me to go with them. And actually, instead of paying me to go with them, I asked them to buy me a ticket to fly up to Pittsburgh. So I do weird stuff, including how I tell stories. So to back this up, I had friend, a friend in Pennsylvania that had been working in Atlanta with me for a while. And it kept inviting me up. And I don't have any money to travel. And they, they're like, hey, this family were like, hey, if you drive with her moving to Kansas City, Missouri. And if you travel with us, we'll fly you back and we'll take care of your meals and we'll pay you a little something. So, well, hey, instead of flying me home, why don't you, can you fly me up to Pennsylvania? And then, you know, make sure I have a, uh, my friend was actually going to be driving down to Atlanta uh, for whatever reason. Or maybe he's driving to Florida. And But anyway, the fact of the matter is it was perfect timing. That I could fly up there, hang with him for a few days, and then ride with him down to, back to Georgia. 
And so we were in Kansas City. There's a day or two before I was going to fly out. And the teenagers wanted to go out to a movie. And I don't remember what other films were out at the time. I barely remember seeing the previews for The Matrix, to be honest with you. I never, at that time, never went on opening night because I hate crowds. I I really hate people. I went to the last big movie at that time that I went to see on a, a opening, like a Friday night, Saturday night, going to be big crowds, was We Were Soldiers. And some dickhead, a seat or two behind me, talked a couple different times through the film and it just infuriated me took me out of the experience it ruined the movie for me and that was actually a good movie mel gibson film and i remember there being helicopters and other stuff i don't remember exactly what was going on it's been a while since i've watched that film but i remember it was a it was a good film but the guy the guy i mean we're almost i think we're at the credits or almost at the credits and the guy's he had talked a couple of different times, not horribly, but some. I mean, just people were taking me out of it. Phones were ringing. People would light up their phone and text. This is, you know, we were soldiers was mid, late 90s, early 2000s, right? So it's long before the movie theaters really start saying, you know, stop. Stop lighting up your phones. Stop texting. Things were going on. It was irritating. And he said something about, oh, you know, I can get just as good an experience as surround sounds like, yeah, but then you wouldn't get to ruin the movie for the rest of us. It embarrassed the crap out of my dad, right? <laughs> but yeah, I said something to his ass. And anyway, so that was the last, I, I ruined his experience. I don't go. I still, I, Saturday, Sunday nights, mm-mm-mm-mm. maybe a Saturday morning, maybe. Typically midweek, midday is my style. Now, I uh, just... Anytime I go see a big film like Civil War, Marvel Civil War came out in 2016, Dr. Strange, I will go opening weekend-ish. Uh, I actually went to see Rogue One on a Friday afternoon, and there were a decent amount of people there, but you got to understand the people who go on a Friday at 1 p.m. are way more respectful because all of us are trying to avoid that Friday night jackass crowd, right? So it, it, was, it was definitely a better experience. So, I was not going to go see anything opening weekend, period. But she, the, the girl wanted to go out, and she had met a new friend there or something, and I don't remember how it worked out. But they need an adult supervisor. Well, kind of adult supervised. They wanted to go see some stupid girly flick that I was not about to go see at all. I went, all right, you're going to go see this. I'm going to go see this movie called The Matrix. Uh, my movie should get out first. I'll wait for you in the lobby. And Okay. Well, that's how I ended up. I had no idea. I'd never go to a movie by myself. This is the only time in my life I've ever been to a movie by myself. And opening weekend night, Friday night. And the place was packed. And I found a seat kind of off to the side, which I hate, but, you know, whatever. And watched it and was blown away. Just just that movie just locked into my life. And that that phrase about the, the bullet, the, not the bullets, about the rules some are meant to be bent, some are meant to, can be broken, but some are absolute. But it leaves you to question which ones are which. And that's what started me on a path to question really the stuff that I thought I knew, the stuff I, I thought I, I loved, and what I thought truth was. And again, it's just a beginning, and... I then met my wife uh, shortly after that, and and we started dating, and I mean it was a big t- big thing. And at one point, I realized religion is man made. I believe I talked about this in faith versus religion, 
religion is man-made. Religion is the, these are the rules and, and it, our God looks like this and you have to behave this way or he won't love you. And that's all bullshit. Faith is, is believe, you know, faith simply is believing in the things unseen, but faith can, is much more than that. Uh, so I used to go around saying the matrix is my religion and Best Buy is my temple. <laughs> this is before Best Buy pissed me off. Uh, they lost their standards and they ended up opening a Best Buy in a ghetto, which is actually now closed. That one's closed and they've opened up one in a nicer neighborhood. But they essentially opened up one in a ghetto and hired all these ghetto people into it. And that's any poor person who doesn't give a shit about good service, by the way. Uh, it doesn't, your living circumstances do not dictate who you are. Your living circumstances are what they are. You dictate how you treat other people and how you talk to other people. But these slobs were fucking ghetto shits. And we literally walked in for the new hit song on the radio that was actually playing in the store. I said, hey, I don't quite remember this artist's name, but she, you know, she's singing the song right now. It's like Natasha or something like that, something kind of Russian sounding. I mean, it's playing right now. And they first, they wouldn't even acknowledge me. I had to go tap on the table. Hey, can you talk to me? For, and these are Best Buy employees. Can you talk to me for a second? Ah, what do you want? Really, asshole? But, you know, this is a whole different... I was trying to be somebody I wasn't, right? I was trying to be this nice, calm, collected person who doesn't make a scene because it embarrasses my wife person, which now I'd be like, hey, I want to go grab a man drink get your ass fired. And I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. It was Natalie Imbruglia is who I was looking for. Unwritten was the song at the time, and my wife really wanted the CD. And Anyway, there was just really shitty treatment, and I got away from Best Buy for a long time. And they are a little pricey. They are. But I, I'm back to you know, dealing with them on cool stuff and they whatever. They're a decent brand. They just at that time had some a shitty store, which is now closed, which made me happy. Because I said it before on Success Freaks and meant it. Sometimes you dance on the graves of your enemies. Anyway, I started questioning everything and going through that process. And so here's the story of my wife and my life and possibly even some into the, of what's going on recently. But I came into I came into the marriage thinking that my my life was better than hers because my parents were married. Hers had gotten divorced when she was little. Her dad was back in her life and back in their life, but they were not married. Her mom never remarried. Her dad had remarried at one point and and then I think that fell apart as well. I had this assumption that I knew how to be a married man. Or marry, I knew how to be in a marriage much better because I grew up with one. And here's one thing I really learned very quickly is if I focused on something in my brain, it was ultimately going to be said. And I've learned to deal with that. And this situation happened early on in our marriage where she kept irritating me. She kept, I don't remember the exact situation, but I remember going, she's so wrong. And it's killing me. And it's and she doesn't know what she's talking about because my dad didn't walk out on me. You know, I know how to be married because my, I know how to, I don't remember. I know how to be married because my dad and my mom stayed married, something along those lines. And sure enough, we got into some kind of fight and I said it to her. And I honestly don't remember her reaction, but I remember the second I said it, it was out loud. Cause I never said it out loud to myself, which is something I've learned to do is if I say it out loud, let's see how that feels when I hear it spoken versus just in your head. And the second I said it out loud, I was like, that's not right. 
You know, it wasn't a, oh shit, I've messed up. It was a, that didn't feel at all like it felt in my head. In my head, it felt righteous and correct. And, oh, you know, you'll, you'll get it, but you don't have the ability to get it right now. And which is actually condescending. But the idea, the picture I had in my head was, I, I guess, in a, obviously in a very wrong way, was I was wise and she was not. And she was going to learn. Except when I said it, I revealed to myself how unwise I was and how stupid I was. And I th- think she might have laughed at me. I don't remember. Because that's the thing. I couldn't see. And that, that's, that's life. Until you really try to look. Until you really try to let somebody help you and pull you out from where you are mentally. Sometimes physically. You know, spiritually. Perspectively. You let them pull you to a different perspective because you want to see things differently. You're too close to the situation. Early on, my mom would tell jokes, and a lot of them had to do about weight because that's what humans do. So they will joke about mean things and think it's funny. And I, I very much had that sense of humor. And my wife pointed out to me at one time, you think it's kind of mean and kind of funny because the mean humor can be funny. I learned that for it to be funny, you have to be back away from it and you have to give it to the audience that is back away from it. Uh, recently on an episode of Breaking the Panel, we did basically Chris called, uh, Chris, my co-host, called Mike, our producer, old by saying, you know, uh, anything beyond the advent of talkies is, is new. And that could be a situation that really hurts somebody's feelings or it can be just mean. But Chris meant it with fun and love and mike who is not old who doesn't feel old well in my opinion he never comes off as old anyway he he took it in the spirit of i'm one of the guys and i'm i'm here and he fired back and it was great but if you tell that same same thing to somebody who does feel old who you know like my father he he seems like he's old he, he walks around. I mean, he, he hacks that way. He And he truly does act that way sometimes. So I've learned to have to back off on the jokes, including when I was over there for Christmas recently, he said, uh, basically, my sister and my kid, my kids were spending the night there, my two older ones. And my sister was taking Oakland, my oldest, uh, with her to stay at her house. And my daughter, Crosby, was going to stay with my, grand, uh, with my parents, her grandparents. And my dad's like, yeah, they were here late. And I jokingly like, you know, doing the old joke thing going, oh, what, they're here until, what, 7.30? And he's like, yeah, like 7.38, they were here. I was like, oh, my God, you're so old. What is wrong? You're not that old, Dad. Why are you doing this? So I've had to really, really back up. Because, honestly, if you joke about something all the time, that's all you're saying to that person. And that is something I had to learn with my wife. She taught me that. And that was one of the things where I would fight with her, but I was wrong. I don't remember exactly what I said to her, but I would pick on something all the time. And she's like, that's all I feel you you think about me. You need to stop. And that's like in the situation with my parents, I rarely say anything about being old. And I, I thought I'd do that one and drop it in because it's funny. Like, no, they were here to like 10 or something. No, no, they weren't. They were there to the what old people think is late time. And that's that was an eye opener. And I, okay, won't make that joke again. And. How do I reverse your reality? How do I pull you into my reality where you are still young and you're still, I mean, he's over 60, sure, but he acts sometimes like he's over 90 and that's, that's not okay. So uh, 
can how can my how can my reality influence yours? And that's really what we're talking about here on the show today is what is your reality? How is it affecting other people? Let's define reality for a second. Your reality is how you see your life, what you believe about yourself. Then in turn, how that affects how you see the world and what you believe about the world and how you see other people and what you believe about them. And then changing that and 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 in getting into somebody else's reality, seeing things slightly different, accepting more of who you are, seeing how they see you, those kind of things, that will change your reality for the better, hopefully. It can absolutely go for the worse. Mine did. I pulled people into my reality so many times of negativity, of lockdownness. There's so many stories to tell here. But the best one, the best one I can tell is two things. My Again, going back to my mother, told jokes, fat jokes, basically. And she would tell them to everybody. And my excuse was, that's just her sense of humor. It's funny. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Well, I had locked away certain areas of my life. My reality was, I'm fat and goofy. Because that was my mom's reality. And and again, she I want to be clear here, because we actually had a talk recently, and she still doesn't get the changes in my life. She'll never understand the changes in my life. She sees the new person that I am. She sees the bit that she can understand. And that's a whole different concept, right? You are who you are and you can have your reality. And there's just some people who can only see a part of that. God, go back to religion and to the Bible and you can't look upon God. It's so bright. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think Adam and Eve looked upon God, according to the Bible, all the time, and they did just fine until, of course, they you know sinned and fled the garden, blah, blah, blah. But the whole, you know, I, I think it's perception. It's what you think. I think there were people who definitely could look God eye to eye and no problems. I feel like John the Baptist, again, not knowing exactly what is 100% real, factual, truthful, you know, happened in the Bible and was allegories. But I feel like if John the Baptist, who wrote Revelations, I believe it was John the Baptist, whoever wrote Revelations, saw all that, right, supposedly, saw all of that in a dream or a mirror or a vision, saw the end of the world. You saw God. You saw Jesus on the white horse, at least. If nothing, I mean, the way this picture is painted, that's canon in the Bible. You saw, so this crap of we can't see God. I know, they're just, that's human. That's you think you can't. Therefore, you can't. You are limit, limiting factor in your brain and in your life. And if you are unflexible, if you're unwilling, if you're holding on so tight to your reality, there's some reality that's bigger than that. My reality is pretty much bigger than everybody's around me. I'm just powerful. I'm just magnetic, uh, uh, radioactively addictive. I think is a term I came up with. And it's it's like I will I will shine, man. And you can see change you can try to believe something about somebody but your brain unless you're just sticking your head in the sand and holding on to anger which is the opposite of what my mother is doing and my father but my my mother and I had the, the roughest relationship growing up if you're just holding on to hatred and anger there's nothing that'll get past that if you're holding on to that but if you're holding on to your reality there'll be things go "Uh, what that's that that was just what that's a surprise hmm and i can see that change in my mother as i come I, I don't pull punches i went there without my wife 
this past time, uh, my wife had stuff she had to do, so I took my kids and went to my parents' house, which has never happened. My wife does that, but I don't. And typically, my my mother will talk to my because my wife was nice and smiles and won't call bullshit bullshit. And <laughs> I let her. It's what is. I can't. I you can't change somebody else's reality. You has no. You have no ability to change someone else's reality. You can influence. You can talk. You can coach. You can guide. You can be there, but they have to change it. And my wife and I have had many conversations about just say no. Just say, uh, okay, I don't think so. Just spit out an idea that you have. Just say what you believe. You don't have to call somebody else wrong. Just say what you believe. It's fine. Whatever she wants to do is what she wants to do, but she wasn't there. So it's me and my mother and my father and the kids are running around or whatever. And every time something came out that was in my reality wrong or stupid went nope that's just not how it is smile in my voice just like now same exact tone no not really it's not how that goes okay my sister started to give me grief that story will get me bogged down i want to get back to talking about my wife and the lessons i've learned reality changing but my sister started giving me grief about you didn't bring the kids up no you didn't take well no 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 like no no you communicated nothing that you think you communicated so here's the reality you're going to have to deal with. This is how everybody's dressed. Take your picture. Bottom line. And that's how you do start affecting people a little more bluntly but nicely. Okay, you can fuss all day long. And nothing's going to change. Here are the facts at hand. The kids are dressed the way they are. Take your picture. That's it. She wasn't bitching, but I'm going to ramp it up. You can bitch all day long. You can throw tantrums. You can throw fits. Either you get what you want or you don't. If you don't want it, let's go eat because everybody's hungry. I started doing that, and man, it did it. It changed. It changed the, their reality. My mom was able to laugh with me some. We were able to talk about some things. But the one thing she said to me that I'll, I'll wrap up this part of her her reality versus my reality is she can only see a part of it. I can see she can see change in me. I can see because of her reaction. She has to think. People react to you for two reasons, I believe. And maybe there's more, but there's two reasons in my world. And they go together. One is they react to you on how you're acting, right? But they also react to you on how they perceive you. And those two things are intertwined. And I can see through her reactions, I'm acting differently. I'm bringing a different energy. I'm bringing a different reality. I've grown up. I've dealt with a lot of my shit. I am better now. I can see that reality affecting her reality and her reacting differently to me. But something she said to me, uh, we we're talking about hospitals and stuff and pulling up. And I jokingly said, well, you know, you better hope that Amy has her stuff together. And I do try to refrain from cursing around my parents because they can't accept that of me yet. Yet. My dad is a little bit better about it. And I'll say some things every once in a while, but I try to respect that their reality Here's what I want. I want a better growth for all of us so that we can just say things and accept each other where we are. And I've tried my damnedest to accept my mother where she is. I say try my damnedest because I'm really close to it. I imagine a different perspective would say, yeah, but there's still a lot of work you can do. I'm open to that idea. So I've tried to accept her where she is. And in doing so, I've seen her try to accept a little bit more of me. But I, I keep the cursing to a minimum. So I said, you know, you better hope Amy is my sister. You better hope Amy keeps her stuff together so she can, you know, manage you in the hospital. And I, I was actually referring to not my lack of love for my mother. I was referring to my paramedic skills going, 
No, I can be cold and medical because that's what I did for 10 years because that's what life takes sometimes. You have to remove the, 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 oh my God, you have to remove the emotions out of some of it. Yeah, it's your mom. And I get that. I get that. But your mom on a damn vent being fed through a tube being a vegetable is not your mother. Let her the fuck go so she can transition over to heaven, over to nothingness, over to whatever's better than this. Because you, it's because you, because you hold on. So I was referring to the, my ability to go separate the two. Sure, I, I am sure mentally, I think I will be emotionally affected when my parents go. Because I've been emotionally affected when my grandfather passed away who I'd started to get close to. I was emotionally affected by my uncle who passed away that I had gotten close to right before he died. I've grown up with my family. And while there was a two-year separation and there's always been a rift, the rift has been closing. When I think about them dying, my brain goes, I know life goes on. I know eventually I'll be like, yeah, it was cool. They're not here anymore, but it was. It, we, we had our moments and life goes on. But I believe that I'll probably be emotionally affected. However, I know that I never hold on to anything that's with outside of my nature. So I was referring to that ability and I was jokingly saying, you know, she'll, she'll this and that. And it's like, cause I'll come in like, Hey, your wishes are done. Cause she wants to have praise music and this and that, the other stuff, whatever. If the med, if it's medically necessary, I'll pull the plug. And I was joking about that, you know, saying, Hey, I got your back too much outside of her reality, too much tapping into our history it bumped into that button. I saw her kind of wince and shut down, and she, and she couldn't even look at me. She was, well, I just pray that God will give you true memories of what you grew up with instead of what you're holding on to. So I'm like, my man ain't about memories. I'm just kidding. I'm actually talking about my ability to be medical and to understand what is actually better for life because I have true memories of growing up. See, it doesn't matter what you think happened. I'm speaking to my mother for the next portion of this conversation, but you can put yourself into the you if you want. It doesn't matter what you think happened. I understand as a father that raising my son, I'll just focus on my one son. I even have two sons and two daughters. I will focus on my son and go, I remember talking to you about math. I remember the fights that we had in school and I have my reasons for them. But whatever he walks away with, Whatever perception he has, whatever experience he has, quotey fingers truth will not change that because the truth of the matter is he got what he got and he felt what he felt, period. And this isn't a Hallmark Hall of Fame fucking movie, mom, where you're the hero and I'm the evil child. And someday uh, a picture will come out from somebody else going, hey, you thought your mom did this, but she was really like that. And, oh, my God, mom, I'm so sorry. It's not that way. Life is different than a movie. I should know. I've said it in a billion movies. I would love for movie shit to happen to me. But what I've realized through that conversation and in that moment and through stuff getting back to my wife through through the things I've learned with my wife is that, yes, there's a saying. There's three sides to every story, my side, your side, and the truth. But the reality is while perspective in some situations can go, oh, I didn't know that. Now that I have the whole story, I feel differently. 
things that affect our relationships, things that are growing up, the lessons that we learn because of our experiences are the truth. Because our memory has very little emotion, right? We can think of something and some things are, will make us feel better, worse, whatever. But we can also just recall things because technically your brain has no emotion. Your brain doesn't feel. Your brain thinks. It recalls in a computer sense. A computer can put a picture up on the screen. It's just a picture. How you interpret it is and how you feel and react and whatever, that's, that's you and your experiences and this and that and the other. So that statement of hope that God will give you good memories, it doesn't matter. What matters is now. What matters is your reality now. And I felt a little bad for hitting that button. There was zero intention on doing that. Yet, I did it, and it, it, it pushed her right back in that little spot. But I can tell she still gets that I'm different, but there's still those things she's holding on to. She's holding on to, I'm guessing, but I guarantee she's holding on to that I was a petulant child who threw a fit and took my toys, being my kids at the time, and went away for two years. And when I came back, I had hopefully learned my lesson, but probably not because I'm doing this, this, and that. Because I said something, uh, we were talking about something else, and I said, the lesson I've learned is you you will never be able to change people. You have to accept people where they are. And she actually tried to throw that back at me right then. She goes, well, I've learned, like you said, I've learned you can never change people. I'm like, are you you're really throwing that at me? And she didn't say, she didn't say the rest of it, accept them where they are. She just said, you can't change people. I'm like, you're st- you still have, see, here's the problem. You still have a fucked up vision of what you think I should be so much that you can't see who I am. You're seeing parts of it. You're getting parts of it that kind of line up with close to your thing or, or it's so different than what I used to be. The anger is gone. That's a big factor. The anger is gone. Now, can I get mad? Yeah, I can get mad. But the anger that I carried is gone. I don't walk in shut down. I don't walk in reserved. I don't walk in hating life or looking for a fight. That's gone. And so when something like that, you like, okay, this doesn't quite fit my vision, but there's something here. So I'll, I can see that part of it. You can't see that I am the rock out of podcasting. You can't, you can't see it. And that's your choice. Bringing this all the way back to when I was first married, we had Thanksgiving at my house for the first time. And my wife loves to host a party. And this was reported to me. This is, again, we're first married, lots of damage, lots of excuses for my mother. And my wife like, your mom's mean? No, she's not mean. That's just our style of humor. That's the teasing that we do. And it was all weight-based. It was all fat-based. My mom, unintentionally, and I know this because we'll get to that story in a second, she unintentionally body-shamed me my entire life because she was ashamed of her body. And her mother intentionally shamed her and her siblings their entire life. Well, she passed it on without meaning to. And the reason I know that is is the end of the story. We'll get there. What changed my reality? What I had fought with my wife on that I was wrong about in this situation was you just don't understand. You have y'all have a different sense of humor in your family. You have a different style of doing it. They hid from everything. If I want to be real for a second. <laughs> I want to throw this out because I'm talking about my family. I want to talk about hers for a second. When I met her, she wanted to bury everything. Never wanted to talk about anything. We get in a fight. Ten minutes later, the fight never happened. We're good. No, that's the opposite of my reality. 
my reality is the fight fucking happened. And it's the biggest thing in my life until we talk about it and deal with it, which is actually kind of healthy, kind of. I mean, when you force your own way onto somebody, that's unhealthy. And I did force my my way onto her. But the middle ground is you talk about life and you deal with an issue and you you resolve it so that you can move on healthily. And we do that now. But then it was a her and her family. Blah, blah, blah. Five seconds later, it never happened. We're best of friends. No, you're not. You're carrying that bullshit with you. And I use the the idea of cancer with that because anger is cancer. And I even understood that carrying it, but that's a whole different thing. Not different like I'm different. Like No, obviously I had to deal with my anger. And I could tell people truth that was not applying in my life, so on and so forth. That different is what I mean. But I, I said, you know, it's like being told you have cancer and then you pretend the doctor never existed. It doesn't change the fact that you have cancer and it's going to kill you if you don't do something about it. That's the bullshit you and I are going through talking to my wife. So that was their style. Our style was to be overly aggressive in our jokes and think that we're right all the time. My family style. I still think I'm right pretty much all the time. I've just proven myself to be more than I used to. Thanksgiving dinner, my wife is sitting there with my mother-in-law and my mother. And I don't know who else possibly... But there was a joke about me not sitting there. So she's telling jokes about me, which was different. Well, which is something I never thought about. I always thought it was just teasing back and forth, you know, to each other. And she would always tease me about my weight. Oh, that's just mom. Ha, ha, ha. Well, she said something about two things. One, I want to say there's like Fatty McFatterson or something like that. And then the other punchline was something about parachute. There's not big enough one to hold me. I think at the time I was really gung-ho about trying to skydive. My best friend Douglas had done it. It's something I'd always been interested in. And I was it was scared the crap out of my wife, right? Just in general. Her mind goes to the worst-case scenario. The chute doesn't open. You fall to your death. So that makes her nervous. Nothing about weight, just that. Well, I think it was mentioned, and my, my mother said the, the Fatty McFatterson joke at some point, and she said, there's not a parachute big enough in the world to hold me, which is untrue, by the way, because they drop tanks out of airplanes. They've dropped elephants out of airplanes. They drop cars out of airplanes. I am not heavy as any of those things, so it pissed my wife off. I can't remember if she said something or if she had to get up and leave, but there was no laughter except for my mother. No laughter. Everybody else was like, what's what's wrong with you? That's horrible. And my wife was so mad. And then later after everybody left, she told me about it. And the first joke, like the, the fatty, I don't know. I tried to, I tried to rationalize it away, right? I tried to reason it away. I fought with my wife a little bit, argued with her going, no, you don't understand it. Well, she broke it down for me. She goes, I love you. I love everything about you. And I would never call you fat ever. I would never say anything about your weight. And as much as I don't want you to skydive, of course there is stuff that works for you. And your mother, who should love you, is saying these things to basically strangers. She said it to my mother. She said it to, I think, maybe her brother. I I don't remember. It was not me and not anybody. Well, it never was appropriate. But inside family at the time would have been quoting fingers appropriate. And it wasn't. She took it. To base, and some of those people were perfect strangers to her. It's the first time she'd met some of those people. So that, that reality-changing moment, okay? So my wife's reality was, you're perfect as you are. I love everything about you. Love doesn't hide truth. We both know we're overweight. We both know that there's health things that we can do to be better. 
But neither one of I would never call my wife fat. I get mad at her when she calls herself that sometimes. Now there's that, I feel so fat today. There's acknowledging you're overweight and, and can do something about it. And there's that shaming yourself and calling yourself fat. She would never let me do it. I never let her do it to each other now, especially. But that reality was, I had the reality of, I'm not worth love. I see myself as this fat fuck who just deals with life. You know, I, I see myself in different ways then. And she just blatantly hit me with her reality. goes, this is how I see you. And because I loved her and because I felt the love from her, it shattered that bullshit joking hold that my mother had over me. Oh, I feel really shitty now. That she said that. Because love, I think this is a Bible verse, I don't know, but love conquers all. It really, really does. My wife gave me love. She showed me love. I loved her, and that was a key. If I didn't love my wife, it wouldn't have mattered what she said. But I loved her, and all of a sudden, this truth, this reality shattered. And I was like, oh, you're right. I would be mad if somebody said that about you. Because that, that was the key. My mom didn't make jokes about my wife. She just made jokes about me. So that reality changed. And, and later on, I'll finish up this story and move on to another one. But later on, as I dealt with that and figured it out, I remember standing in my mom's dining room, and she made some joke. And, and this is after the Thanksgiving thing. This is after I've been working on dealing with what does this mean for my new reality. Didn't have those words, of course, but that was literally what I was going through. What does this mean for my new reality? How does this affect my relationships going forward? What is this? What? What do I do with it? Do I say that's just her? Blah, 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 blah. All these things. And I don't know, weeks, months go by. I'm standing with my wife in that dining room at my mom's house, and my mom makes some joke about my weight again. And I think I had tested it a couple of times, tested to see if she said anything different, if I'm being sensitive. Do I think she just makes fat jokes all the time because I feel fat and I feel self-conscious about it? And I went in a couple of different times and two things happened. One, she was always on me about going to church or reading some Bible or some bullshit that I wasn't going to do that told me she didn't care about me. She just wanted me to live her life. And that was a different conversation at a different time. The other thing was she made a fat joke every single time she saw me. And I just remember going, and this is what got to my mom. It wasn't a fight. It wasn't a, what the fuck, which would have shut her down and made her feel right. It was, mom, I don't know if you mean to, but you you know you make a joke about my weight every time you see me. She, I mean, it, it hit her like I punched her in the face. Just the immediate reaction was like, oh, 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 what? I'm like, I, I, I'm just saying, I, I'm not angry. I've just, I just come to realize that you say something about my weight every time you see me as she broke down and started crying and instantly see the way that was handled the way that i changed my reality and took the anger out took the sensitivity out and just kind of said do you understand this this is how this is interacting and it immediately shattered her world because that's when it came out that i never really she never talked about her mom very much her dad left when she was young her mom had to work and raise the four kids. and I mean, I know some of the life stories, but she never really talked about her mother directly. Other than her mother was mean person. Well, it came out then. She, she's apologizing, and she's like, oh, my God, I never realized. That was what my mother did to me my entire life, and I'm sorry that I've done that to you because her mom did it in a very mean way, like, you're fat, you need to stop eating. You're fat, you're not going to fit. You know, that that 
harsh negativity. Well, it it's still in there, right? And it's still in my mom came out in his jokes, and then me came out in his jokes. Except when I saw super obese people, I would get so angry, and I mean, I hated super fat people. Hate, and when I say super fat, that was my rationalization. Oh, they're bigger than me. I'm not fat like them. Those fat fucks. That was the anger I carried, and the 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 generational shit that was going to be passed down if I didn't deal with it. And I have dealt with it, and and. Don't think that anymore. That changed my reality. There were other moments that I fought with my wife. I've, I've mentioned one in the recent episodes, I think, in, in the past about I was very, very focused on sleep. I still am. I think rest is super important. I was denied rest for some bullshit reasons as a kid at times. I was forced into naps I didn't want. <laughs> There's that. But then I was denied rest also when I needed it. And don't know why, just it, it was. Never talked about it with my dad, but it, it was a thing. But a family tradition, especially as I got older, a family tradition on Sundays, my dad was always a preacher. It was a work day. So Sundays were church in the mornings, right? Fortunately, we didn't go to one of those bigger churches that has a 9 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service and all that shit. We only had to do basically 9.30 to get there before everybody else. 10 o'clock was Sunday school. This is Southern Baptist Church. 11 o'clock was church. 12, roughly, it's over. White Southern Baptist Deep South Church. And by 12.30, because we have to wait till everybody's gone, roughly, not literally, but my dad had to shake hands or had to fix this, fix that. So we had to wait at the church. 30 minutes pretty much past the time everybody else left to get home. We change our clothes. I don't know why that was always going change your clothes because we always had Sunday shit on. And I hate to this day Sunday shit. I can make myself look great without putting on a bullshit shirt and polyester pants and a tie that I hate and a jacket. You know, I can get I, if Daddy's gonna wear a suit, it's gonna be fucking Armani, bitch, and it's gonna be it is going to be tailored to me. I will pop that shit hard. However, Sunday shit is when you go to local stores and you just buy stuff off the racks. Uh-uh. I hate that. I will never do that. I'll never do that to my kids. Never. They get their choice on how to dress. And my son, my Oakland, loves to dress nice. He loves to put on shirts and ties and those kind of things. Fine. And make it look good. But when you put love into it, it looks better than being forced. Anyway, change your clothes. We got a lunch. There was usually some kind of leftovers because my mom didn't cook on Sundays because that was her work day. She had to be with her dad, my dad, rather. She didn't wash dishes on Sunday, so one of us kids had to do it. But then it was nap time. It was nap time. My dad would put on a football game on the couch and fall asleep. Uh, the kids, my sister would go to her room. I'd go to my room. My mom would go lay down. And we'd all take Sunday afternoon naps. And then we'd get up and go do it again that night. You know, I had to do <sighs> disciple training, I think is what they called it. It was basically Sunday school at night. And then church and then home to finally be done with the day. And and, and hopefully at the, the back in the day with no on-demand TV or, or Wi-Fi or anything like that, you get home for the Sunday night movie. NBC would always do a Sunday night movie and we'd get home, make some popcorn, watch that. But the naps in the afternoon was our family tradition. I'm still very big on rest, on getting some sleep, go get, go get a nap, those kind of things. It, it is very, very important to me. But the thing I fought my wife on was doing too much with our kids. 
I believe I, I'll tell it quickly because I believe I told it before. But in case this is your first episode or you haven't found the other episode or maybe I'm mistaken, here's the story. When my son was first born, Oakland, first kid, first born, I was working on the ambulance 24 hours at a time, sometimes 48 hours straight. So two whole days, day and night, I would sleep there. That's how ambulances work. We talked about that on another show. So she would entertain herself by going to her family's house, which was 30, 45 minutes away from where we lived. And I would get mad because she was keeping my son out until like 11 p.m. midnight. Well, here's the reality. He's a baby. He was sleeping in his chair. He was fine. She even tried to tell me he's fine. I'm like, you get your ass home. You're hurting my son. You need to stop. That's how I came at her. And that's how I came at her for years. And I had to experience some shit for myself to go, well, okay, it's probably fine. He is sleeping in a seat. You know, I'm sorry. You know, uh, I never said I'm sorry. I never even said I was wrong. I was like, uh, I begrudgingly let go of some of the control I was trying to have. But see, my reality then was I wasn't getting enough rest. Therefore, I had to protect my kid. Now, here's the other thing, too. There were definitely experiences and memories that I've dealt with since then that were very much affecting me from my mother and from the shit that I went through, from the shit that I took out of the experiences that I had. How about that? Whether that was intended or not, that was the experience I carried. So I was very protective of my son because he was me. And I personally wasn't getting enough sleep at the time. I was stressed out with my job and those kind of things, not being able to pay bills, so on and so forth. So I put it on him, right? I projected onto him. And the reality was he was a baby. He he could sleep anywhere. He was doing just fine in his car seat. Flash forward to slow steps, small baby steps to we hit summer. And I said, okay. The agreement of Vacation Bible School, where it's this free church in the South, it's a free church camp for five days in the week, typically, for a few hours in the morning or a few hours in the evening. I have heard tale of ones that are basically daycare, and they're eight-hour days, and that's not anything I've experienced personally. And my wife could find a whole bunch of them for free. Uh, And the caveat was, yes, and if the kids get tired, I will force you to stop. Never had to do that because I stepped back and said, okay, fine. I've been learning my lesson for years now. I've been learning my lesson for years. I will try to trust you. I didn't believe her. My reality said they're going to crash and burn and I'm going to be proven right and they'll get rest. But I will finally take my hands off the control panel and let you do your thing as long as you let me have this safety net. The safety nets are kind of bullshit, but okay. She said, yep, took off, never looked back. Because the truth was, when the kids don't want to do anything, my wife will back off and let them rest. And I think I carried with me the fact that I had to be at church every single time the doors were open. I was forced into so much in my life that I hated. I never got the chance to figure out what I wanted to do. I hated it. And I, even though I felt like, I never felt like my wife was forcing my kids into that life, that still played in. So to force myself to take off my hands, to say, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you're right, let's see. And then she was right, and instead of being angry or bitter about it or forcing anything, I went, oh, okay, cool. I chose the life I wanted. I wanted the life that flowed, that my kids could relax when they wanted to. They could go out when they wanted to. They could say no when they wanted to. And I could say no. And my wife and I, my wife would usually beat me to the punch going, you know what? 
I'm not going to take them tomorrow. I think everybody needs a break. She goes, I need a break. We're just going to take the day off tomorrow, and then we'll pick it back up Thursday, Friday, whatever day of the week it was. Cool. That works. There's so many little steps in all of these big stories that brings me to the fact that I can live without my wife for over a week because she had to deal with stuff with her family and literally had to stay over there at night. And I would see her maybe an hour or two a day and 15 to 20 minute spurts, you know, it, it, it was tough. There were things going on, but I was able to do it because I finally got to be able to accept who she is and be able to advise her on how she can become who she really is. How does that make sense? Well, instead of fighting and getting proven wrong and she was right and vice versa, Instead of fighting, we are who we are, right? Okay, so we have to dig through all of the other people's realities, getting pulled into other people's realities. That can happen. You get with somebody who believes politics is the end-all, be-all. That reality will invade your reality, and you'll find yourself following them in that path. Unless your reality is stronger. Your reality says, no, life. I choose life, and I choose every step of the way, and I choose to never hate anybody. I choose to accept people on the individual status, basis, rather, of who they are and figure out what's going on at each individual encounter. Or your reality is you choose to have this over-encompassing, this is just this is just shit, and it's going to be bad. Whose reality is stronger? Other people's realities will affect you. Do you ever find yourself, listener, sitting at home and... You're thinking this, and you can have a discussion with certain people, then one person, just one, can be a family member, that friend, that coworker, that one person comes around, and even though all they're saying is, hey, did you see this movie this weekend? Just surface-level bullshit. You find yourself going, ah, uh, getting angry. Or it's that person that you're positive. You can talk about life, and yeah, this shit's getting me down, but I will overcome. And then that one person gets on the phone with you, and all of a sudden you find yourself bitching and moaning and complaining and blaming this one person or ripping this person other person apart the third person that you're just talking about together realities can fuel each other and sometimes you can build a reality in that does that i i had that with a friend of mine and i had to talk to her about it and say hey i want something different you're my friend i want to talk to you about these other things here's where i want to go and that was new for me i had to blatantly say because it wasn't her fault. It wasn't my fault. It was just our reality when we got together is we would bitch and moan and rip apart a third friend all the time. It started out originally as venting because we needed to vent because we were we loved this friend and we had to deal with this friend and, and so on and so forth. The reality was it, it never was about that friend. There was some venting originally, but it, our reality became we bitch and moan and, and attack. And I said, ah, oh, I don't know how this conversation started, Neither one of us came into the conversation to do this, yet this is what we do every time. Do you, do, do you agree? Do you see that we're doing this? And she's like, yeah, you know, we are. So we agreed. I said, here's what I want. Here's what I want instead. I want where we can talk about other things. I want that if we do talk about this third friend of ours, that we can say positive things and try to find reality and stay away from this ripping apart negativity, attacking aggravation. And she agreed. And it took steps because we had built a reality together that said, this is what we do. But we built a new one together. And now I can call her and we just talk about anything. You know, for a while it became talking about me. And that that was like, well, nobody wants to do that. 
So I had to make her talk about herself, which she didn't want to do. She just she wanted to be part of my life and hear what was going on. Realities affect each other. So in all the little steps, all the things I can't remember, all the the things I have no time to share with you of every minute step I took to let go of the reality I thought I had, of the truth I thought I held on to, to find a new reality, one that is influenced, never controlled, but influenced by my wife, influenced by the people in my life like Mike and like Brian Ibbett and and Douglas Spencer and, and damn it, Carl. And, you know, this fear of influence that my reality kind of broadens and I see. And then I have that ability to to go into my parents' house and say, no, no, that's just, no, not going to happen. And then their reality falls to mine because there's no fight. There's no pushing any buttons. There's just a, no. So that was the heart of the fights. When I would tell a story of our relationship, Aaron and I, I throw out that saying of, hey, of all the times I fought with her and I was wrong. That's the heart of it is she was showing me a new reality. Now, there are definitely times she's been wrong. And when, the last thing I want to talk about about changing realities is when you understand the heart, the core, the principles that you've built your reality on versus I was taught this. Talking about myself, I was taught to hate gays. I was taught, the Bible says, being gay is a sin. And that's what I just went with until I met a gay guy. You know what? Let me let me take it off a less controversial. Let me take it to a less controversial stance. Unintentionally, I was taught to hate unwed mothers, to hate teenagers who slept around. I have zero belief that my parents ever wanted to teach me hate. My dad is using the Star Wars. Hate is the dark side. And my mother, same way, I don't believe, I have zero reason to believe that they wanted to teach me to hate a group of people. They preached against hate when it was blatant, like racism. However, they did teach me being gay is a sin, and they, I believe they believe that still. In the, in the methods I went through with the church and the thing, the processes that I experienced, I ultimately, without realizing it, hated Unweathered mothers, they're whores. I hated teenagers who who got pregnant because they're whores. You know, until a really good friend of mine got pregnant, and we were teenagers. And no, I'm not the father. <laughs> no, no, I, I I've never slept with anybody but my wife, and that's all. We'll have the sex talk one day. I would. I'm looking forward to that show. We're gonna have the sex talk show one day. But I remember thinking. I mean, it was a conflict, right? Because I thought she was really, really cool. She was a good friend of mine. Uh, in a way, I loved her, not in a romantic way. You know, I, had this, I really never was romantically interested in her. But I loved her as a friend. She was close to the family. Uh, their family was close with ours, and, and she got pregnant. And I'm instantly angry and confused at the same time. Because, wait, she's not some faceless whore in Air Bunnies, right, Cody Fingers? She's a real person going through a real thing now. And do I really hate her? And I came to it going, well, why do I, why do I think I hate her? What? And I, I couldn't get past anything other than some bullshit I've been taught. No experiences, no nothing, just somewhere, somewhere down the line, somehow someone has put into me this anger and it's not mine. I'm going to let it go. And then that, that child became a, a boy. She had a boy. And became my godson for a while. Now, I've moved out of their life. I've moved away. Uh, different things going on with them. We lost that connection. I have, anyway. 
So I'm not nearly as close to them. I grew, I changed, I became somebody that I, yeah, it just changed. But I had to ask myself, why? And once you start doing that, start understanding your reality and then rebuilding your reality, going back to the matrix and the rules, jumping off of, over from one roof to another, he did that. You know, other people did that. He jumps and he falls. Neo jumps and falls, right? And he had to understand the principles of rules meant to be bent, rules meant to be broken, changing, understanding your new reality. Because that was his new reality. He now had the ability to understand reality and shape it visually and physically in that world. Whereas the people still trapped in the matrix, still in that world who didn't understand, he was a god-like character sometimes. He was a superhero. It was his thing. Most people didn't even understand this tiny world they were in. They just accepted the tiny world. That's life. That is everyday interaction with people. They just accept the little world that has been built for them. Because typically, that's what happens. Your world has been built for you, and then you just accept it, and you start building onto it yourself keeping yourself in this little world at some point. But when you're ready to open up your reality, when you're ready to step into new worlds, you just ask why. Why do I believe this? And if it if it's something you hold to, it's something you hold to. If you can't figure it out other than somebody told me this, go do your research. Go figure it out. And that's been the biggest thing for me and my wife is at this point in life, because I've shown the change and because I I mean, God damn, I have shown the change in so many ways. My wife has told me over and over again lately, you know, I love you. I, I love how much you have grown and changed. I love that you're, and she uses the word putting up with this. And I, I only correct her sometimes. I'm like, I'm not tolerating you and what's going on. I'm not putting up with it. I'm leaning in and joining you in this because this part of who you are is taking care of people and family. And with that being said, then I can gently help her shape a larger reality for herself by saying their choices are their choices. You're there to help to the ability you can. But the problem I have with you right now, the issue I get upset with is you're sacrificing your health. There's zero reason to. When the reality is you can do this, you can take care of yourself and take care of them. If you would just stop taking their burdens that they're not even giving to you, stop carrying their guilt and their sorrow that they're not giving to you and making it your own. Stop. That's how I can help her. That's what I am doing to help her. And that's how you can help affect other people's realities in a positive and direct way is understanding your own. What principles are you building your reality on? How are you seeing the world? And including others. And my wife has been included in this journey so many times. And we both have grown. We both have changed. We both have come around to things. The biggest hurdle anybody has in their life is family because they've been with you the longest. Their reality has shaped yours the longest. And you feel like as a human being, you feel like if I change this reality, I'm telling them they're wrong. Bullshit. Bullshit. If I change this reality, then I'm going to war with them. Bullshit. It's your reality. Stop carrying theirs. Stop carrying their reality. It's theirs. Let it be theirs. I illustrated that in the story with my mother earlier in the show. 
so I won't go into it again. But I will say it is great to be at a spot where I can actively affect my children's reality by being honest with them about my life, about giving them advice, about allowing them to be who they are within reason. Like, uh, my daughter, here's the last story I'm going to tell. So y- you got everything today. You got how my wife, the person I love the most in this world, period, more than my kids. Uh, you know, and being overly dramatic, fuck my children. I married her. When they're gone, she will still be with me. I chose the life with her. I've actually said that to them in, in different words. But I'm like, no, I love you. Our, I created you. Our lives are matter to each other. Yes, I chose her. She is the one who loves me more than anything in this world. I love her more than anything in this world. I chose a life with her. And I chose to help create these children. And I want a relationship with each one of them that's going to be different. Each one of them is different. Every relationship is. She's top, period. So you got all those stories. You got my mother and father, mostly my mother, sure, but my father. And there's so you got that parent to child relationship from the child's perspective of how the reality shapes. Now you're going to go from me being the parent to my child. My daughter started to say a phrase to me the other day. She got a skateboard for Christmas and she's 10 and she's practiced on her brothers. And this is the first one the time she's had her own. And it's an older style standard surfboard, small style board which is more real skateboard than the fat, easy ones to learn that aren't necessarily com- competition and skater board style boards. And she got on, she had a little difficulty, but she got it. And she was mad at first because it wouldn't turn. Because my son, Oakland, got a rip stick, which is basically a, a two-wheeled skateboard that swivels and turns and it has 360-degree motion. And it's a whole different thing than a skateboard. As she was getting mad because she couldn't turn, I was like, let me look at it. I said, oh, yeah. Because I had to refresh myself. I was I was building a scooter for my daughter. I wasn't for, for Zoe. So I wasn't quite paying attention. I said, oh, look. Yeah, you've got a real skateboard. His is different. Look at his. The wheels go 360 degrees in turning. The two foot places you put, it's not even solid. They swivel in the middle so they can go in different directions. That's not you. Here's what you can do. You can lean left and right. You're like a surfboard. You're going straight to turn you have to push up. It's a whole different paradigm. I didn't use that word to her, but that's the word for reality shaping. Your reality is different than his reality. This is me speaking to you as the audience, but using her as the, the catalyst. Your reality is different than his reality. His reality is he gets to turn and swivel and move. Your reality is you have to use a whole different set of physics, a whole different set of tricks to do it. But guess what? Your tricks are tricks he can't do. Your tricks are your tricks. And this is how you do it. Let me help you. So the phrase she started to tell me at the end of all that was, I'm so proud of myself. People said I couldn't do it. I'm like, and and I'm so proud. I over, I was like, whoa, 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 stop. Who? Who said? Well, people said da, 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 da. And she's being this TV drama bullshit moment that I will never allow in my house. She's the worst so far, but everybody's done it to a point. They watch a lot of Disney. They watch a lot of Disney. And while that can be entertaining and fun, and yeah, they can learn some okay stuff from it, nothing inherently wrong. There's a lot of bullshit drama. But she tried it again. Well, people said, I, who, Crosby? One, well, that, pe- well, uh, uh, no, give me one name. One name. And she had nothing. I said, bullshit, Crosby. Who are you? You're my daughter. We kick ass at everything. You're my daughter. You come from me. We 
kick ass at everything. Am I proud of you that you did? Hell yeah. But you know what I saw? I saw you go out there, get on the board, get shaky once or twice, and then boom, you're doing it. That's what I saw. That's my girl. Not some bullshit overcome. You will have plenty of obstacles to overcome in your life. You will have actual people who will get in your face and tell you you can't do shit. But that ain't now. Stop bringing the drama and start embracing your reality. And she's smiling. I'm like, so who are you? She's I'm your daughter. I like, what did you do out there? She goes, I kicked ass. Fuck yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And that's what you have to hold on to is you can do everything. Never tell yourself the story. Oh, people believe. No, you believed you couldn't. But did you really believe you couldn't? Because you got out there and tried it and did. Stop telling yourself lies. Stop over-dramatizing your life. And rock God the fuck out of it, man. Look at yourself getting on that skateboard that is whatever you're dealing with and learning new paradigms and new things that are not what your parents' skateboard was. That are not... What's your friend's skateboard? It might not even be your, your spouse, your loved one. They might have a ripstick for reality and you have a skateboard. Go kick ass on your skateboard. It's yours. You might become the top life skateboarder in the world. <laughs> there you go. That is, that is, uh, that's my story on, on my wife and how when I fought her, sometimes I was wrong. And the reality was, obviously, it wasn't about the fights. It was about the reality changing that happened. And, yeah, I give her tons of credit because she's put up with my bullshit. And she has, in those hard moments, said what she said in that, that joke, horrible fat joke story of, I love you. And I would never say that about you. And as your wife, it pisses me the fuck off. And I don't care that she's your mom. I'm ready to slap her in the face. Well, whoa, okay. Because my wife hates confrontation. She hates it. Especially then. Oh, my God. And she was ready to go to war for me. Because that's how much she loved me. And that was bullshit. And that should, it's beyond the words. It was what it meant. And that should never happen. That's the heart of her being right. And me learning from it. So, what is Rock God of Podcasting all about? It is Ask Me Anything meets Kevin Smith-style storytelling with some vulgarity and humor and a healthy dose of Tony Robbins motivation. Just, hey, this is reality. Get in there. Have some fun. And sometimes the hard truth. I have been described as an energy drink for breakfast with a side of punch in the face in the morning. So, you know, that's what I do. I'm radio radioactively attractive, man, addictive. You guys, the more you listen, the more you're going to let me affect your reality to the positive, the more you're going to start affecting other people. But I need your help. I need you to share this. Go to rockgottapodcasting.com forward slash support, and you will see all the different ways you can help out. One-time donations through PayPal, gladly accepted. We've got uh, Patreon going on. Gladly accept it where you can do it by month and, and continuously help support what I do here. We've got iTunes listed there where you can subscribe, of course, but you can leave a five-star review. Well, any star review will do. I will read it. I don't care if you put a one-star review and rip me apart. I will read it on the air and we'll discuss it. Well, there's no discussion. I will read it and I'll tell you what I think of it and you know, move on. But share it with your friends. Tell them about this show. Tell everybody you know. Who, anytime you have got friends like, hey, I'm looking for a new podcast, throw Rock Out of Podcasting up in there. I would appreciate it. Let's get the word out. Let's share this because it's important. It is important because my stories are your stories. 
And if I'm affecting you a little bit, if you're getting something out of this, you need to tell somebody about it. That's the Southern Baptist coming into me. It's find a friend Sunday. <laughs> Bring your friends to the next episode. But the reality is of what I've learned in my life is when I truly have something affected. Dave Ramsey changed my life. I've gone through his course. I went through it on my own with my well, with my wife. Once we did it, changed our reality. I've taught his course, so therefore going through it a second time. I still affected my reality even then to the positive. His system works. His show might not be for you. He's a little too religious for me. He tells the same thing over and over in his show. I don't listen to his radio show anymore. But the principle works. So when something changes your reality, when something affects your life, share it with other people. If you ask me a financial question on the show, it's going to be the Dave Ramsey shit. 100%. Because that is the easiest way to sum it up of how I understand finances. I can give you my spin. I can give you my take. But the heart of that episode would be Dave Ramsey's principles. And every five minutes, I'll be saying, just go through his course. Just do this. Here's why. Here's what I got out of it. Sure. So share it with people. I need your help. I'd love for you to do that. You can hit me up, facebook.com forward slash rock god of podcasting. The website again is rockgodofpodcasting.com. Leave a speak pipe message. That's where you get your voice on the show. You can email me, R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. The two things that I am, Rock God of Podcasting and Charles McFall. R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com is the email address. Twitter's at rockgodofpod. Instagram is Rock God of Podcasting. Uh, you know what? Just search it. If you if if I haven't hit the area you want to be in, just search it. And I believe we're get. I think I've got us on Stitcher. I think I've got us on Google Play. I'm not sure. So hey, yeah, I'd love to hear back from you. Your questions are what matter. Your feedback is super important to me. Actually, Mike, we have an episode coming up that you said uh, as an artist, can you explain? This is Mike's question to me because he knows it needs to be done. How much feedback really matters, what it does for you. That's an episode coming up. It matters. It matters a lot. So thanks for listening. Go out and change somebody's reality for the better. Understand your own and be the rock god of your life. Okay, podcasters and YouTubers, my name is Mike Woodard, otherwise known as producer slash audio engineer for the rock god of podcasting. Look, you know you're producing amazing content, but is your audio game as tight as it needs to be? If you need to level up the overall sound of your show, I'm your guy. If you need a kick-ass intro for your show, I'm your guy. If you hate the sound of your own voice and just need someone to handle your voiceover narration, I'm your guy. Need music beds? Need sound effects? Just go to mikeatthemike.com. Check out my demos and take a look at my rates. You can sound better than you do, and I can help. Mikeatthemike.com.